five minutes past the hour. Um, this is Colin Shots. I'm Seth Partnow, joined today by my good friend, my fellow Milwaukee compatriot, uh, my colleague at the Athletic, Eric Name. Uh, with the season starting tomorrow, we're here to talk Bucks. Hello, Eric. Hey, buddy. How are you doing? Doing all right. Uh, you know, it's uh, it, it's uh, been a long off season. It's been a uh, a full length off season, actually, um, and I it sort of has felt very long. I don't know if you felt the same thing, but after having the last two off seasons very compressed, three months seems like a, a whole lot of time. Yeah, I mean, as I've been talking with people with the Bucks, I've <laughs> I've had to be like, I, I I told them I didn't know that I could get bored anymore. Like, I didn't know that that was, like, a thing I could feel. And I felt that at multiple times during the offseason. And that's not the case, typically, right? Like, typically, I'm very busy, and it doesn't feel like I have an offseason. This felt like a real offseason. So I'm actually, like, super happy to get back to work and super happy for basketball to be back. Uh, so basketball is back, but unfortunately, the Bucks backcourt isn't. <laughs> that's very it's true. Ter- it's a terrible segue, but um, I think that's before we get into broader things. Um, it, it's not awesome considering that th- that last season sort of started on a on a similar note. Yeah, I mean, I guess the the good thing here is that I don't think Chris Middleton being out for the first you know two or three weeks of the season caught anyone by surprise. Um, I know Chris on Media Day was you know, pretty optimistic. And so was John Horst that, Hey, maybe he could come back real close to the start of the season, as opposed to a little bit later, but ultimately no one's shocked. No one is like, Oh my God, Chris Middleton's gonna be out for the first couple of weeks. So like you could go in and be ready for that last year. You know, you have Brooke Lopez go down after the first game of the season. And, you know, if you would have known you're going to miss Brooke Lopez for 65 games, you probably have different free agent signings. You have, uh, you know, different tactics that you work on during the preseason to prepare yourself to not have the best drop defense big in the league. Um, all of a sudden that happens, that's a little bit tougher to deal with. So I, I guess the only positives are Chris was expected, Pat obviously not uh, with his hamstring, but or excuse me, with his calf. But, you know, three weeks of both of those guys, that gets you through about the 10 game mark. And, you know, it's not everyone it really hurts on the wing they just like don't have great wing depth especially because the other guy that they signed this offseason to play the wing they already knew was going to be out to christmas uh, in joe ingles so you're looking at a bunch of guys on the wing that would really help a lot they're three best wings in fact and they don't have those guys so it's going to be an ugly start to the season but you have Giannis, you have drew holiday i i think you can probably imagine your team going four and six or five and five in the first 10. And if you do that, you don't put yourself that far behind the eight ball. All takes is, you know, a couple wins in a row. And then all of a sudden you're kind of back to where you should be. And yes, that does put more pressure on your team and more pressure on Giannis. And eventually you're going to have to have some games where Giannis sits out to catch back his rest. But ultimately you shouldn't be in that bad of a spot. As long as these injuries do stay to, you know, about two to three weeks for each. Sure. And it's there. The, the Bucks have, are well established, I think, barring something going catastrophically wrong, that yes. health at the beginning of April is far more important than record at the end of November. No doubt about it. Like it's 
again, you know, it's it's funny to me. Uh, sports fans aren't always the easiest uh, to to think logically and to have sound reason. You know, like fan is short for fanatic, so sometimes it's not easy for, to get people to accept this. But you know, I did a fan survey at the athletic this summer. It was like, okay, you know, do you think the Bucks will have the number one seed? Yes or no? And, you know, I think it was like 17% said yes, 83% said no. Those same people said that, you know, they're incredibly confident that the Bucks are going to win a championship. And, you know, they have a, you know, a 98% of them think the Bucks have the talent to win a championship. Like, they believe in this team, but they know that the Bucks don't care a ton about the regular season. They know that the Bucks will experiment with some stuff. They know that guys will be down. And, and you know, like the, the next question was, do you care if they get the one seed? And 90% of Bucks fans are like, no. And, and it's, it's, I'm not gonna say it's strange to see it, but it is somewhat unusual. Like the Bucks have, the Bucks have kind of trained their fan base to not worry so much about the regular season. And maybe, it wasn't even the Bucks doing it themselves, but, you know, you rattle off the top record in the league two years in a row and then all of a sudden get smacked in the playoffs. And then the year where you don't do it, you win a championship. That helps out as well. So I do think the expectations for this team have uh, – they're still very high. Bucks fans still expect a championship, but I do think they have a pretty realistic view of what that process looks like. This year, more than, than most, I would say. Like some years you – there's, you know, four teams that have a chance to win the championship and you want to show you're one of them. This year, I mean, can we get to 10 that that might legitimately think, and, and that's before we even get into the teams that maybe delusionally think they have a chance of winning the title. But it's, in, in that environment, it's, it's again, it's, it's who's healthy at the start of the playoffs and who get, doesn't, doesn't catch the bad breaks in the playoffs as much as anything else. And that's... That's that's a little bit of a change for it's almost more baseball like of a season for the NBA this year. Yeah, I mean to me it looks like what in the East the all summer I kind of had the tier as Bucks Celtics those are your real true contenders and then the Sixers might fight their way into that during the regular season but you're still going to have the health questions you're still going to have the Harden in the playoff questions you're going to have all that so I think the Bucks and Celtics kind of remain like that on the East. And then, you know, you go out West and it's like, all right, well, I think you can feel that way about the Warriors. And then I think everyone wants to feel that way about the Clippers. Like the, the theoretical idea of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George in a really deep team makes a lot of sense. We just haven't seen it yet. And then after that, I think the, the cases for these teams contending becomes a lot uh, I'm not gonna say that more difficult, but you know you're, you're gonna have to have a little bit uh, of a willingness to suspend your disbelief. You're gonna have to be like, oh yeah, no, they definitely could do that if this, this, and this goes right. That team could do it. But to me, it really does feel like four. And then once you get to five, I think both team, I think both conferences have a bunch of teams in that area from three to ten. In, in each conference, like there's going to be a lot of teams that are trying to win that on, you know, once we get done with the playing games, there's going to be four to six teams that are really pissed off that they didn't make the playoffs. Like maybe there's some teams that drop out earlier and 
decide that victors, what they should, you know, trying to go get Wendy's, what they want to do. But I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of teams in this league. There's about 20 of them that are really trying to win this year. And even those four teams that you mentioned, I mean, I, I like it's not I don't think any of them are as separated as um, anyone else. Like, I think the Bucks. Um, this is this is going to be easy for you to agree with, just because of you know where you live. <laughs> but, right. but they're the I mean of the East teams, they're sort of uh, this this came up in this came up in a, in in a season preview podcast I did a couple of weeks ago was or last week I, whenever um, that you know there's about five teams that on paper maybe are sort of similar, but the rest of them kind of have have more questions and like. The questions the Bucks have from a from a regular season standpoint are: Is Chris Middleton out a week or four weeks? And that's <laughs> right. you know where uh, you know the Celtics have a new coach and that sort of yeah. drama. Where the 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 Nets have Nets stuff. The, Sixer, <laughs> the 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 Sixers. I mean, I think the Sixers in in sort of preseason is probably to the extent that you, one can help themselves just in terms of. You know Harden's conditioning and Tyrese Maxey possibly being a dude um, right. have have possibly and then the the Heat are um, still to me there's still the some pretty good players and a, and some some you know some fancy footwork by Eric Spolstra will get them mm-hmm. some regular season wins uh, so it's it's almost by default the Bucks are on that I don't think the Bucks will end the season as the only East team on that top tier but they're the only one that start the season there. Yes, I, I do. I do think it's, yeah, I think you, there's a, a lot of teams where I think you can see the outline of why it would all work and how it would all work. But, you know, the Bucks and the Warriors, I think are the teams that the largest parts of the picture are filled out. And, you know, are we I've even seen, there with the Warriors still? Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe I mean, I, like the, given given yeah. how important Draymond Green is to that yeah. team working, and there there was questions coming into the season, I think, about his his the his ability to hold up all season physically, and then we throw the vibes aspect of it in, and <laughs> you know, yeah, so well. like I don't think I I don't think the I think I don't think the Bucks have the highest ceiling in the league this year, but I think they have the highest floor. I think that's a great way to put it. Like, I think, I think it's really tough to, to kind of disagree with that. And, you know, I've seen uh, with the Middleton injury and with the Connaughton injury, um, I've seen a little bit more like pushback from people. And I guess throw in the 538 projection as well, which we don't need to talk about the um, underlying math in those, but like, you throw all of that in. I've seen some more people be like, "Oh, you know, the Bucks are pretty old," and I'm like, "By what standard? Like, the guy, the guy that matters, is in the absolute middle of his prime." And again, we don't know how long a, a prime will go as we start to, you know, see players' primes extend longer and longer. But he's right in the middle of it. Like, that guy is going to be really good. And then, yes, I think you can say Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton are probably on the back end of their primes, and I'm okay with that. 
but they're still in the prime areas. Like they haven't fallen off a cliff either. So are they on the older portion of it? Yes. Are they like 24 and 27, 28? No. But to me, I, the, the idea of them being like this really old team, I get it because they don't like Chris Middleton's athleticism at 31 isn't jumping off the page. Shit, it wasn't jumping off the page at 23 either. Like, that, that hasn't I thought you were, were going to make a Chris Middleton jumping over a page joke, and that's just me. <laughs> but, like, that's always kind of... Like, he's never been an athleticism guy. Drew Holiday, is he, you know, twitchy and dunking on everyone? No, but as I wrote about last year when I wrote that profile of him defensively, if we're talking about athleticism... There's a lot of columns you got to fill. And the dude that happens to be the strongest between his knees and his shoulders in the entire league, yeah, that might that dude might be athletic. Um, whether or not it means that he jumps and dunks and does a bunch of stuff. Like, Drew Holiday's incredibly athletic. But those guys aren't athletic, quote-unquote, in the way that, you know, people really want to view it. So, I don't know. It's just been weird to see like people be like, oh, they're really old. They're really old. And like, I do get it. Wesley Matthews is old. I said it all of last year. The three times you had me on during the season, I said, that's my <laughs> biggest question mark about the Bucks is who covers big wings and is Wesley Matthews going to be in shape and good enough to do it? And he held up. Like he was fine. They managed him well throughout the regular season and the playoffs. He was good. Maybe closer to fine, but it wasn't as big of a problem as as I imagined it was going to be heading into the playoffs. And yes, is Joe Ingles old? He sure is. And is he coming back from an ACL? Yes. And was he maybe washed before the torn ACL? Maybe? Was that did did that happen? Maybe all of those things. But that's a guy that's on top of it. The Bucks already have all their other guys back. Bobby Portis is still a young guy, but again, not traditionally athletic. I think there's there's a lot there's a lot to be said for like you said the floor that the Bucks have being very high and then if some things hit right the ceiling going up as well because again Giannis is the best player on the planet right now. Maybe you disagree. I don't. Oh know. no, I, I I thought you were gonna. No, it's I. You know he's. Um, it, but we, he, I, he, we know that I don't do, I don't, I don't like rankings. I think, I mean, he's, he's in the, 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 the small group of, of the conversation, certainly. Yeah. So like, then, as long as that guy's good in 20, was it going to be 29? I think when he, his birthday is on December or something like, yeah. That makes me feel so old that he's almost 30. <laughs> All of us, my friend. All of us. Yeah. Um, no, I, 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 you know, it's, it's hard to disagree with that, any of that, but I do think that you, you kind of hit on it, that the, the bucks are old thing is it's not about the, the core pieces. It's about the, um, the, the other stuff around, around. And that's sort of, this is a criticism that I had of the heat last year. And I don't think it's to the same extent with the bucks, but it, a little bit is we talked at the start about, you know, the, the most important thing is getting to April healthy. Uh, I had I had Jovan Buhan last week, and when we were talking about sort of the same thing with the with the Lakers needing the okay, the main thing is to have LeBron and AD healthy, you know, at the end of the year, assuming they're they're in the postseason. And then you look at their roster, and they've done nothing to 
you know, make that happen. And, um, you know, the, the sort of the, uh, I, the, the choosing a guy who is on the older side and is going to be out until about New Year's, uh, instead of, you know, maybe some, some, uh, some innings eating, you kind of mid-sized athleticism. Now those players don't grow on trees, but, but I, I, that's that if, if one was going to pick nits and, you know, we've had this exact conversation probably both off and on air. (laughs) Right. Uh, But so that, so I think, but if one is like, I think that is the reasonable version of the bucks are old critique in that. And that's where kind of maybe the, the, the lowered ceiling comes from is who's the breakout potential on, on this roster. I think there is one. Yeah, no, I was asked uh, tomorrow, we're going to have a central division round table go up. Uh, at, over at the athletic and I was asked for my breakout player. And I said, it's a trick question for the bucks that I got. I mean, for any of these guys to break out, technically they have to be someone that, you know, like wasn't on the team or didn't have a big role last year in the bucks brought back pretty much all of the guys. So how is someone going to break out? Like, I think I ended up answering Marjan Bochamp, but who else could I have possibly answered? Like everyone was here last year. Everyone had a big role last year. So there's really nothing else to say, but I get to me, I, I get the, the bucks are old criticism, but I think that's, that's that's I think that's much more what people are actually saying is the, I'm bored of, of this. It's, it's 100% what it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's exactly what they're saying. Like Grayson Allen is going into what his fifth year, I think. Maybe maybe his fourth year. No, I think it's his fifth year. Um, he's 28, 29, somewhere in there. I know he's not super young, but you know who ate a shit ton of innings last year? Grayson Allen. He ate him up, and he shot 41% from the three-point line and ended up being a pretty perfect complement to Giannis during the regular season. Like, if you, if you decide to build a wall, he's just going to kick it to Grayson Allen, and Grayson Allen's going to knock down 45 to 50% of his wide open threes. Like that's good. That's good for the regular season. The slightly older, taller, stronger version, Pat Connaughton, also incredibly helpful during the regular season. Just someone that eats a bunch of innings and elbows in knees in headbutts. He does all of that. Very helpful. Bobby Portis. Is there questions about him in the playoffs? Sure. But you know who can eat a bunch of innings? 6'10", 250-pound dudes. Those dudes, eat them up. Love them. They, they will eat all those innings. And again, nobody likes, you know, saying like, oh, you know, Bobby Portis is perfectly fine. Pat Connaughton is perfectly fine. Grayson Allen is perfectly fine. That's not a good take. That's not, that's not a good criticism. There needs to be something more. And I just think, it to me, the tough part is if – the main criticism is going to be the Bucks are old. You need to tell me which guys you think are old. And then you need to tell me where in the rotation they are. And none of them are in the top three. And maybe at number four with Brooke Lopez. And I would, that's a totally fine kind of criticism. But then once you get past that, what's Wesley Matthews on the depth chart? He's the ninth most important player. Seventh, somewhere in there. Like, all these other guys that are perfectly fine, not exciting, are going to eat a bunch of innings. And I, I don't know. I just think 
if the Bucks want to be, I think they can be a regular season juggernaut. But we've seen again and again, they're not going to do that. Like, Giannis is not going to play probably over 70 games. Maybe he hits 70, like, on the dot. Drew's not going to play a bunch of games. Chris, we already know, is going to play. He's going to be capped out at 70. So give him 10 rest management nights. That takes him down to 60. Like, all of that brings it down. But just because you don't like the depth doesn't mean it's not there. Yeah. I think, and again, I think it's 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 for probably the second year in a row. It's a little bit of sim the playoffs button. Oh, they're incredibly boring. There, there's no doubt about that. It's funny. I had one of my readers uh, earlier this year. You know, I wrote like a tweet that said like, "Well, the Bucks are boring, but here are these things that are like interesting." And he's like, "You shouldn't call them boring. Like, they're a very good basketball team." And it's like, okay, maybe I shouldn't. Like, you're probably right. I probably shouldn't call them boring. But I don't know that there's a better word. Like, they're just a boring team. They don't have drama. They just go about their jobs and do them and that. Do you miss the time when ever, when anytime there was a two-game losing streak because a team would hit, like, two teams in a row would hit 55% of their three-pointers and the giant freak out that would happen. Is that what you're saying? You want to return to that? Or... Uh, do you miss it? No, I mean, I miss it. I miss it more than I, than I would have in say 2019, but, uh, but cause, cause I'm not on the hook for, for, you know, calming sure. people down anymore. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But so, no, I mean, it, it's, it, it's to me, like I, I said this, what, 10 minutes ago, I think the Bucks have just gotten to a really interesting spot where, you know, their own fan base knows what to expect. I think everyone around the league knows what to expect because of that high floor that you mentioned. And ultimately, like when you're I'm gonna making make a comparison, Go ahead. I'm going to make a comparison, which which I think that uh, that that people kind of high up in the organization will uh, will like. They're a little bit like the late, like the mid to late aughts Pistons in this way. Hmm. Yeah, just kind of a professional team that's going to get to the playoffs and be a motherfucker when they're there. And, you know, maybe <laughs> yeah. they're not, you know, maybe they're obviously Giannis has more wattage than than anyone on that team did. Um, but I think just from a standpoint of kind of the, the veteran know how to do stuff kind of grindy not super exciting on a day-to-day basis. I mean, I think there's a lot. And this is this has been a team type that has, you know, is the kind of team that is, you know, it was the the, the late 90s Jazz. The You know, these are teams that are there or thereabouts every year without really anything special happening. Um, yeah. And, and it's a good spot to be. For sure. It's a good spot to be. And I think more often than not, teams have gotten to those places because they have aging stars, right? Like all the teams you're describing, right, are we figured out this blueprint, it works, we're going to stick with it. And this to me is an exception because Giannis isn't that. Giannis is still as freaky as he wants to be. He's still, you know, the most dominant force in the league. He's still the guy nobody wants to ever be in a playoff series against. Like, all of that goes contrary to all those teams that we're talking about, right? Like, the Spurs of all those years, the Pistons of all those years. Like, 
It's just, we figured out our model and this thing works and we're going to keep driving it. And the Bucks have figured out this model, it works, and they're going to keep driving it. But they have the biggest engine that anyone's ever seen. And that, to me, just changes everything slightly. But yeah, like all those comparisons, I think, make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, and I mean, I think if, if, if we were going to go back and forth in this, which why not, uh, I would say that it's probably a more competitive league than when there's sure. like those spurs. So I think relative to, I mean, it, but the point is it's a team you're there every year and things go your way. You might win a championship. I, you know, f- you know, full disclosure, like I have picked the bucks to win the championship this year. So <laughs> right. I'm, there's a little bit of devil's advocate going on here. Sure. Um, uh, on, on, on my end, but it's still, it's, it's, uh, um, and, it, and honestly, it, like, I do think one thing that we've seen again and again, right whether or not it has worked overwhelmingly we've seen john horst make a play at the trade deadline that it that is something that horst really i don't know if he prides himself on it but the fact that he does it every year would suggest to me he probably does pride himself on it like making sure that he's always looking for that final you know percentage point to get them into the playoffs and do I think it's always been the best move? No. Uh, you know, we did a we did one of these shortly after they traded for Serge Ibaka, and I told you I don't really get it. I don't know what you need a fourth big man for when you never play a fourth big man, and you could probably use some wing defense, whether or not Dante DiVincenzo is playing all that well. So, like, we don't always necessarily see the best move, but I do think, you know, if we're talking about, ah, oh, the Bucks might not have enough of this or enough of that, I would guess John Horst is probably gonna go try to find it. You know, you know what's gonna be useful is the second rounders they got uh, in, as part of that trade. Uh, yep, they're gonna be real helpful. And honestly, it's a it's something with that trade that I, I I've always kind of joked about how you know over the years John Horst just finds whatever second rounders he can in the couch cushions and makes a trade out of it. That's what's going to happen again, right? Like all of a sudden you throw in three second rounders and and you put some conditions on them and it's George Hill and Grayson Allen or if things don't go well with Joe Ingles, those two and Joe Ingles. And all of a sudden you're at 9 million, 13 million, 19 million, the spot where those types of players become available. I I sort of wish that, 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 like uh, Boyan Bogdanovich hadn't already been traded. Although, depending on how Detroit goes this year, maybe. Um, uh, but... I mean, I I think both of us are. Uh, I I can't speak for you totally, but I believe both you and I are big fans of Kevin Pelton and Zach Lowe's work. And I I would say, as I was listening to Kevin's appearance on the Low Post and heard him mention the fact that. Oh, you know, maybe the Pistons are making an asset play with this Boyan Bogdanovich trade and getting Kate a good shooter for a little while and then going to flip him at the deadline. Yeah, in my head I was like, huh, I wonder a team that would be interested in that. Ooh, I know. Uh, yeah, but, uh, we'll get back to that. Uh, Charlie uh, has was threatening um, fiery takes uh, on Twitter before we started. So, Charlie... Um... Man, now you've got me my heart all a flutter with Bojan Bogdanovic optimism. I don't even know if I can handle it here. Um, Eric, that, that's what passes for excitement in uh, in Bucks <laughs> roster news these days. No doubt, no doubt. Um, all right, Eric, we've been talking Bucks long enough. 
you know, I think, you know, I'm not some kind of like blind apologist. I'll be up in arms over a, over a Bronson Koenig or AJ Green two-way spot with the best of them. But why would you Mike, hurt me that way? <laughs> <laughs> um, had to do it. But, you know, OK, so we're entering the year here. Boot, Mike Bootenholzer is the highest percentage uh, of any coach with their current squad. Uh, this spring, barring something catastrophic, he's going to pass Don Nelson as the all-time playoff wins leader. And half the time it took Nelly. First championship in 30 years. Helped foster an environment where Giannis becomes two-time MVP, stays in the what we know all the good stuff, but with all all of the positives he brings, I'm not sure there's a more sneered at, hated on coach with that kind of resume in, in all the time I've been watching basketball. Like George Carl got knocked out of the first round back in the day, and the following season would come out to standing ovations. And like I, I know it's not perfect, but how do you guys sort of account for the gap between Bud's actual value and resume and the way he's talked about both by my fellow Bucks fans and I would argue a lot of times in the national media? Um, do you want me to go first, Seth? I, you can take this one all your own. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna to punt on this one. No, that's totally fine. Um, it's the way he looks. It, it just is. Like, I, I know that sounds dumb and surface level and maybe not a serious answer. But I just think Bud looks a certain way. His faces have turned into a meme. And, you know, everyone is waiting to post a screenshot of Bud and, you know, what he looks like and him looking confused or, you know, him saying some coach talk dribble during an interview and that's used as fodder for this guy doesn't know the game. And it's, it's something to me. It's just wait, the take is absurd or no, 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 that, that, no, not your take that, that take that, that he like, okay. Now, now you do have like, I, I will answer this question now, but But I like I do, I do legitimately think this is a big part of it. And that, like there's, I'm not going to say there's nothing Bud could do, but like Bud is who he is as a person, and he's always going to react to referees' calls the way that he does. He's always going to believe in his principles on both sides of the floor, and he's always going to like you know stand up for his players and do those things. But then in the press conference, he's going to make sure that to make make sure his guys don't lose their cool. He's not going to get a bunch of fines or something for officials or stuff like that. Like everything Mike Budenholzer does is very well thought out and is done in a way to put his team in the position that he wants to put them in. Can you disagree with the positions? Absolutely. There's plenty of people that can reasonably disagree with the strategy that the Bucks have played over the last four to five seasons. Uh, over the last four seasons going into his fifth season. And I've heard them all, and I think there's plenty of fair criticisms within them, but it is ridiculous the the way that he's just not viewed as, you know, if you ask people where he is in the league as far as top five, top ten coaches, and that's a super nebulous conversation. There's going to be different styles that work for different teams, and there's going to be different coaches that would – coach certain players better. All of that's true. But 
to think that that guy isn't a top 10 coach for sure in the league and most likely a top five coach. I just, I don't, I don't, it, it's hard for me to carry on reasonable conversations when, when that isn't the, the underpinning of what you're talking about with Mike Budenholzer. So a couple things. First, I think that like top, whatever coach is kind of, I'm, you, you know, I'm a tears guy and like yeah. the, tier, the tier one coaches in the league are Spo and give or take Ty Lue. Like I, that, that's basically all I got there. I'm, so, I'm happy to, I'm happy to go Spo. I'm getting there in Ty Lue. Yeah. I mean, I think though no, this is going to tie into the next, the next part of the answer. Part of the, like, it's possible that, you know, I fall into the same trap in terms of Ty Lue that everyone else does. They're, Coaches are, are like players, are good at different things. And, and the things that Bud is good at aren't the things that you, like, if you, what do you think of when you think of the Bucks? Bucks are, have a great structure of how they play. <laughs> right. And that's, and, and, but that's not sexy. But that's Bud. Now, they don't, do they do a lot of in-game adjustments and, and, and wild, you know, this or that? Like, did they do anything ostentatious? From a strategic standpoint, no, but that's the kind of things people value. Does he give good coach in an interview? Like this is, you know, I think that that I think Mike Malone is a good coach. I think at times in his career he's gotten a little bit overrated because you want a good coach, you want a good coachy quote about anything. You go to Mike Malone and he and he, you know, he gives in the interview he gives good coach. Man, that guy, right. listen to that guy. Yeah. Um, uh, does he, you know, the does he play vets or young players? I think that people will always let, prefer their coach to, to give the young guys a chance. That ain't going to be Bud. No. So, so these are, these are all like, um, now some of these might be legit gripes, but I think the balance of what people sort of value from the outside is, is puts relatively more weight on the, his worst uh, his, his least good attributes and kind of ignores like you don't you don't you know okay the Bucks just roll the ball out and win 55 60 games okay um, this is not a talent juggernaut that you don't need to have something put together to make that work and and that is you know I think that structure is is hugely credit to Bud um the Bucks won 44 games in the 2017-18 season. I was there. We were, lucky to, we were lucky to do so. 44 games. And I think it would be hard to argue that those struggles weren't because of a faulty structure, right? The, the defense was a disaster, and you can mute yourself or not talk about it. I will. Um, the defense was a, was a disaster. It didn't make any sense. Giannis was not being put into a place to succeed. The other players on the roster were not put in those places as well. And that, like, if you're talking about, like, roll the ball out and what you can win, 44 with that team is about right. Like, in all reality, that should have been the start of Giannis MVP time. And it wasn't. He was robbed of the year of it because that team was not put together in a way that would allow him to do those things. And then all of a sudden... You put in the right structure, and again, the Bucks go 60-22 and 22 that first season of Mike Boonholzer, and I would guess in 
the 14 of those 22 games, it was probably an outlier shooting night. And, oh my God, Bud is an idiot. He can't adjust. What a moron. They won 60 games. He made the adjustment before the game. He made the adjustment before the season started. He gamed the system. He was the one that thought all this up. Like, so I, I agree. Like, I, I do think there's always going to be um, this idea that how you can really coach is the guys that you were with in, you know, your high school coach. And, you know, Coach Johnson drew up this great play and won the game in you know, he took a hard line stance on Bobby Nielsen, who was a real asshole, and he sat him on the bench, and he made the guys run sprints, and that's what I like in my coach, or, or whatever. Like, people just have this ideal of a coach, when in reality, like, yeah, this dude who isn't going to change his strategy on any given night, he's going to run the same stuff, they're going to have the same principles, and who is kind of boring is actually just a really great coach. And then on top of it, we haven't even mentioned players in playing in Milwaukee. Dudes love playing in Milwaukee. They love it. And yes, it is. You get to play with Giannis Dadakumo. That's really cool. But it's also the fact that when you come in for a practice, you're not going two hours every day. You're going to come in, you can get your work done, you can do your individual work, you can go home, or you can go lift or you can come in for a second workout because your legs are that fresh. Like I remember was, it, I think Drew, Drew Holiday was on the JJ Reddick podcast the other, other year. And JJ was like, honestly, Drew, how many practices do you have this year? 10. And Drew's like, eh, I don't really feel comfortable answering seven. You know, I don't really feel comfortable. Five. You know, I don't really feel comfortable. Like that is those, those type of things don't show up on the TV screen, right? Like you, you don't get to see, how happy the players are and how fresh their legs feel and how well they've been taken care of. Like Bud excels in all of those things. And like you're to this point now where, you know, as I was talking with people in Vegas and, uh, you know, talking with people once they signed Joe Ingles and stuff, like the thing that kept coming up was like, you know, there's kind of this idea with veterans around the league that if you want to get a couple more years out of your career, go ahead to Milwaukee. And, Sure, that is partly because Giannis is there and he'll get you good shots and, and all those things, but it's also because the Bucks take care of you. And they take care of you because they have Mike Boonholzer at the top managing those minutes and not overworking their guys and not being, you know, crazed to find every single advantage, you know, on this given night to make sure that, you know, you throw this thing at guys that you don't normally do. It's like, no, come in, do your business, do your work and when we get to the playoffs, we'll make the adjustments that we need to make, and we'll and we'll win a bunch of games, and that's just what they've done. No, it's uh, it's it's you know that that constancy is a strength and a weakness. Yes, I mean it's it's you know, it, and 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 again, that's I mean that's sort of the 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 difference between like you know, uh, uh, Spo is like there like now the now there will not be. I don't think Eric Spolster will ever be accused of saving guys' legs. Uh, no, no, he won't. Season, I do, I do not think that is part of Heat culture. Um, but I mean, there is there are, there is a similar thing with. But you you add on, and that's why 
that's the difference between being, you know, that's that's the difference between being from a playing standpoint. That's the difference between being Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And all, like, all yeah, absolutely. And I, I think one other thing, sorry to hijack this, uh, but like one other thing with Bud is, you know, I think people view his Hawks tenure somewhat negatively. And, and they and they do so because they could never beat LeBron. And you know what? No one fucking else could either. And it, when you look at those Hawks teams, yes, you know, they they had some talented players his, here. His I'm best not here player to... was Paul Millsap or Al Horford. Like, right. The, like, I'm, like, I'm not trying to like, besmirch either of those. Those are both, like, no, no. great. But, NBA, but playoff great series players. are, like, playoff series are, who like, you start with who's got the best guy. And well, there's LeBron, and there's uh, and and you know this is a very Al Horford, very Paul Millsap positive podcast, but like, come right. on. And it was and it was just like, you know, why won't they make an adjustment against LeBron? Like that is kind of where some of this is built in, right? Like Bud isn't able to make adjustments and stuff like that. And you know, why weren't you able to make adjustments against that team? Against LeBron with your team to get a win is like asking me. You know, if I fought Mike Tyson five times, why did I keep losing that match? Why didn't I make some adjustments and stop letting Mike Tyson knock me out in 30 seconds? Uh, I don't know. I tried a lot of stuff, but it didn't fucking matter because he's Mike Tyson. Like, I, I don't know what to tell you. So this reminds me of, I have a, I have a good friend of mine who is high up in the Raptors organization. And if you remember the playoff game a couple of years ago where LeBron hit that, like, Crazy, like running towards the sideline, eighteen foot bank shot at the buzzer Cautious. to beat them. Yes. And and if you if you you can uh, you can look and and the where Toronto's like front like their front office was sitting was in frame uh, as that was happening, and you can just see just dudes up there just with their arms folded, like. <laughs> yep, that happens, mm-hmm. and it's it's yep. you know. So okay, you didn't. There's only like, one of those dudes. Yeah. So all right, like maybe, like sure, maybe Pop at his peak could, but this you, if you're this is the this is the weird part. This has always been a weird part about NBA discourse is saying, no, this guy's this guy is is pretty good, but he's not the best. It turns into it's hating. It's just like no, yeah. they're okay. Is he? He he's a good coach who is who is not the best coach in the league and not one of the all time great coaches. Is that a criticism? Maybe. Is is there possibly is is as there are for for just about every coach who isn't on that level? Is there a shelf life? And even some coaches who are on that level, if you look at like Pat Riley, um, is there a shelf life in that? Is is it possible that like that? You know, I there's there, I'm sure you'll. You'll talk about this over the course of this year. If the year isn't going the way they want it to, will there be noise? Sure, but that's like right. it's it's been a good run, and that's sort of you know it's it uh, to uh, to go Coglin's law: uh, all things end badly, otherwise they wouldn't end. <laughs> that's I did not expect us to do twenty minutes on Mike Budenholzer today. No, yeah. neither did I. Yeah. Had a great time. Thanks, Charlie. That was uh, thanks for the prompt. I still owe you, by the way. Charlie is, has asked me. Maybe, maybe you know what? Finish up with this this, this wild card. 
Uh, Charlie uh, on Twitter asked me a while ago about um, because there have been players that the Bucks have have been linked with who kind of came over to the NBA as as uh, like European international players, kind of flame out the first time, then go back to Europe and are pretty good. And how come they don't end up back in the NBA? His uh, his example was uh, was uh, Gershon Yabasele. Um, but I think, you know, something that you've, uh, a name you probably have heard floated to you, not so much in the last five years, but maybe, well, before that was Jan Vesely as, as someone who, yeah. Um, so just get, get your thoughts on, on, you know, complete topic shift from, but, uh, you know, American players who go over maybe kind of find their way back, but it doesn't seem that like, like, like European or international players do once they kind of flame out in the NBA the first time. They're just kind of back over in Europe for the rest of their career. Um, all right. I'm trying to think. Um, this is going to be tough. So I, I was just talking to Sandro Mamukelishvili for uh, a story that I'm going to drop later this week at The Athletic. And um, while we were talking and just kind of BSing, we were talking about his time with the Georgia national team. And... Uh, on that team is I'm I'm gonna murder his name. I feel bad already. It's Toko Shangelia. Tornikey is maybe his first name, um, and he's been over there for years. I mean, as I was watching the Georgia national team in Greece this year, I was like, dude, this guy. I like looked at Mamu was like, yo, this dude can hoop. Like, he should be in the league. And Mamu like kind of like looked at me, and he was like, yeah, but why would he? And I was like, I mean, and then it, it like kind of, it didn't bre- like break my brain, but it did take me a couple seconds to be like, oh, Toko Shangelia doesn't actually think like, I got to be in the league. Americans think that. Americans are like, oh, I got to be in the NBA. Like, that's where I'm going to make it. That's the only way it counts. Shangelia probably makes a couple mil and wherever he plays, no matter what team it's going to be, he's in that city, a guy like he's the, he's a guy across all the sports. He's the guy for the basketball team. And that lived like that affords you a, a certain type of lifestyle and a bunch of success. People actually care about, you know, Euro league championships over there. I don't care about EuroLeague champions. I couldn't tell you who the last five were. I have no idea. But over there, they do care. So I do think that, to me, that's one of the things is like, I think if a, a player from overseas has initial success in the league, they're more than happy to keep that role and keep working towards it and, and keep doing it. But if they don't, I think they're more than more than content to live a very well-compensated life in a beautiful country in a beautiful city in a different place of the world in a way that Americans just aren't willing to do so. Does that sound crazy? Oh, I mean, I, I think it's, I think if you were, if uh, you flip it around and, and it's just like, you're like, how much are you working to get back to, you know, uh, uh, a foreign country speaking your second or third language for a grindy schedule to be an eighth man? Right. It doesn't sound super fun. Yeah, and especially, well, and especially if you get to the point in your in your life 
where you you know you came to the NBA for a couple of years, you went back and have reestablished yourself. Now you're 28, may have a family, right? You know, I mean, it's like could like we you know when Nico Miritic didn't didn't have a great stint here, as we know, um, but right. when he went back to Europe, could he could Nico Miritic be in the NBA? Could be in a, he be an NBA rotation player today? Could he be a a possibly a starter on a on a decent NBA team? Yeah, for sure. Is it? Yeah, but. Like, you gotta play eighty-two games. Yeah, that's a lot of games, man. That schedule is serious. So I think I. So I think that the, the the roundabout way it's could could guys do it? Probably. I I think the level of interest in coming back after having not really done it the first time is probably for most players is probably on the low side. Is that fair? I would agree. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, right. so I, we're done with Bucks talk. We got about like five minutes left, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Tell me a team that you're really excited to watch this year. The Detroit Pistons. Ooh. Okay. Tell me about it. Well, I mean, I think we know that uh, we've talked about. Uh, you know, Jaden Ivey was my favorite player in this draft. I'm a big K okay. guy. Uh, yeah. I've, I've been a big K guy. Uh, uh, Jalen Duran might end up being a steal. Um, they, yeah. they, they got, um, the, and Boyan is a, is a very nice compliment to what they're doing. Um, we won't be subjected to Marvin Bagley Jr. for a while. So this is, this is, this is all coming up, you know, it's, it's all, all coming up, uh, league pass Pistons. Yeah, I so at the Athletic today we like released our NBA picks or whatever. I don't know if you filled out the survey or were required to or not, um, but I filled it out and my most I made Cade my most improved player, and that's kind of cheating because it's a joke when you make second year guys your most improved player. But I do like to try to get things right when I make predictions, and in my head it's like. Okay, did people maybe underrate his season last year a little bit? Did he not shoot the ball as well as he could have? And now all of a sudden he has, like, an actual team around him. Kate's going to be awesome this year. Like, the gravity that he had as a rookie who didn't really have, like, a great team around him, I mean, that that's fun, man. Like, he's – I don't know. I He's got a real lob threat in Duran. He's got shooters around him as well. I just think he's going to be a lot of fun. No, I think that they are. Um, I think that they might be a team that you know we we, we talked about you know uh, what they end up doing with Boyan. They 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 are a team that might have a a choice to make. Uh, you know, come February, it's like we we could push for this plan, or we could <laughs> yeah, or we could do the right. other thing. And I think that there's right. that, uh, my my guess is that there's probably. Um, some some different forces pulling in different directions, uh, given that how how the level of success they've had. There's probably a constituency for going for it, and then there's probably a constituency for <laughs> that one Benyama kid. Yeah. That one Benyama kid. Yeah. Uh, or even Scoot Henderson. He, he, I'd, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. This is this is obviously uh, when Benyama is like so high up there in just like a spot where. We haven't seen prospects like him. I mean, Scoot goes what in most of the like the most recent drafts? Probably one. Like if you take this Scoot Henderson and put him in like the most recent drafts, like does he go above Cade last year? 
where does Probably. where does pro, where does prospect Kyrie without injury history go? Pretty dang high. And he got he went number one. Has. He went he went number one as, as is. So like I think no, that's, that's what a, I'm saying. Like yeah. So like you go back like it's I know it this with Victor being is who he is. The obsession will be him, but just being in the top two is good. And yeah. there's also like a number of prospects in the top five that are like graded out quite well as prospects as well. So I would agree. Eventually they probably will. Um, but no, Pistons will, that'll be a fun team this year. I'm excited. To what about watch you? Them. What about you? Do you have a, do you have a league pass darling this year? <sighs> oh, I'm going to do it. Fuck it. Um, the Sacramento Kings. <laughs> That's I do. Like, I do. You're going there. So I made my coach of the year pick, and I made it Mike Brown, because coach of the year again. I'm gaming the awards and my predictions, and you know, guys that coach teams that make big jumps and wins tend to get recognized for doing such, even if they weren't necessarily the reason, and it was just because the team was better, or maybe the team was even worse than they should have been the year before. Um, but it's not even that I like love Mike Brown's coaching or anything like that. Like they just have a lot more talent on the team. Like they just have guys that make some sense there. There's the possibility that they score a bunch of points, which has been the possibility for a while and it just hasn't panned out. But damn it, Seth, I want to believe, I want to believe in, I don't know. I, I like the, I like some of the moves they've made in the way that, I can like moves that maybe don't make sense. And what I mean is like, maybe the Kings shouldn't be trying to win games. Maybe they should go in a different direction. Uh, They've tried winning games for a while. Maybe they should try something else. Um, But like Herter will help out a lot. Keegan Murray is, is he a sleeper pick for a rookie of the year? Is he the favorite? I don't know. who. Oh no, Paolo is the favorite. But like Keegan Murray, I think is pretty high in the odds as well. Like I think there's a good chance he comes in, just hits a bunch of, bunch of shots. Malik Monk is an unhinged shooter off the bench. Yeah, I kind of get that. Rashawn Holmes, super fun as a backup center. Maybe didn't wasn't like going to be great for your team if he was the starting center like he was for a while. But as a backup center, yeah, there's I don't know. There's depth there. There's guys that I want to like. Like I wanted to like Davian Mitchell, and maybe now that works out. Like I don't know. There's just guys that I like there. Am I am I absolutely crazy here? Oh, and they got Delhi. Veteran leadership, Delhi, my man, back in the league. Like, I, you know what? I'm, I, I said it, Kings. I'm gonna enjoy watching the Kings. Maybe, probably. I, I, you know, having having been a for many years a big, uh, big supporter of De'Aaron Fox and having kind of soured on him as his development has kind of stalled the last couple of years. I wouldn't hate to see the the, the Kings kind of kind of do the thing. Though I would be much more interested in them if they had just taken Jaden Ivey. Um, but you know, that's that's uh, yeah. draft opi- draft no, that... opinions are are you know, whatever. Like Keegan Murray's like... fun though. Like he's kind of had he kind of had like a solid summer league, which I know it's summer league, whatever. But yeah. you know, I can kind of see the outline of a player there. It's it, I so the the thing I've been sort of off of him basically for a guy who had the ball in his hands the entire time and averaged like one point two assists a game. Now, admittedly, mm. there weren't a lot of other great players around him, but if you have <laughs> if you have the ball a lot and you, you, that you should like you know 
you should get to about two and a half at least just to kind of by happenstance. If, right, just fall into a couple. Of just, just fall into a couple or the, or the tunnel vision is potentially. So that's, that's you know. Quite damning. I could, yeah. I, I, could, I could prove to be way wrong about that and just overly enamored with like the, uh, the explosiveness of, of, of Ivy. But uh, Jaden, Jaden is, that explosiveness is quite fun. Quite fun. Yeah. So I, we've done good work here picking picking those two teams. Uh, what's you know what I you know we've talked about my my, my season pick. What uh, what what are are you picking the Bucks to win the title and who do you think they're beating in the finals when you do pick that? Just guessing. That's um, yeah, no Bucks Warriors Bucks win and largely that is the basketball junkie and fan inside of me. I think we deserve a Bucks Warriors final. I just think we do. I think it would be a lot of fun, different styles. You know, I think two coaches that at times have been unfairly maligned for being system guys that don't make adjustments when, yeah, okay, they're not going to be big in-game adjustment guys, but Steve Kerr and Mike Bunos are both very good coaches. Um, Steph being the shoot-it guy, Giannis being the power guy. Like, I don't know. I just... I would love that matchup. I think we'd all have a great t- like. I get to see Draymond try to shut Giannis down for a series, and granted, that means he's probably going to flop all over the place, at least partially. But that would I don't know. There's to me that would just be a whole lot of fun. Like, right. can they can yeah. they play Brook Lopez off the floor? I don't know. <laughs> Let's see if they can. Like, it'll be fun. Can I interest you in Bucks Nuggets? Ooh, after. After Jokic hit a Sambor shuffle, the nastiest Sambor shuffle he's ever hit on Giannis in Eurobasket, yes, you can. I will sign up for it. I would be delighted by it. It would be so much fun because if you think Giannis has forgotten about that, you're out of your mind. (laughs) He, He will remember that for the rest of his life. Just And again, if you haven't seen the clip, go look it up. It's Jokic, Sambor shuffle into the right corner for a fading three that he put 15 feet in the air up over the top. It's preposterous. It is the most ridiculous shot making I think I've ever seen because that's just kind of what Jokic does. And I would love that series. So you can talk me into it. It'd be to- I'd be totally fine with that. Is that what you're doing? That's that, that that's my pick. Yeah. Oh man. I, so I did take Mike Brown and as coach of the year. And it's partly because I didn't want to take the consensus, which I think should probably be Mike Malone, just because I think they're going to jump in wins and win a whole bunch of games just because they're healthy. Maybe the same could be said about the Clippers. I don't know. I don't know. That's a good spot as any to leave it. Um, uh, Eric, thank you for, as always for coming on. Thanks folks for listening. I am back tomorrow afternoon with, uh, where where we did 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 this one for with some general interest basketball talk we're going to get a little nerdier nerdier about probabilities and such tomorrow with Mike Bowie of Unpredictable we're going to talk about uh probability which is always riveting radio uh but thanks I a lot love for his work first. well uh, thank you uh well I mean it's it, it, this this it's uh, inspired a lot by honestly more of the nonsense that that's come out of you know NFL decision making this year not the decision making itself, but the uh, be fun. the commentary around it. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. We're gonna and uh, we'll, we'll get into some basketball stuff as well. So thanks a lot for joining me again, folks, and take care. <laughs>